Hello everybody and welcome back to another spoiler review of a book I have recently finished. If you don't want to know what happens in it, go away. So, Astroff Angel of Mercy is a new, relatively new book by Guy Haley. And re we rejoin Astroff and the sort of arc of the, the grand 40k story that he's telling with uh, the Imperium Nihilus side of things. So, just to have a recap, for those of you who haven't been following along uh, in real-world stuff, Guy Haley has kind of become, I don't want to say creative director, but that's essentially what it appears his job is. He's taking the lead on the direction of the law as we move into this new Indomitus era with the Primaris and the Great Rift and blah de blah de blah de blah Presumably working much more closely... Uh, or at least ensuring that the Black Library authors work uh, more closely with the games development side of things, hopefully. And it appears that that's kind of what's happening. There's there's a lot more of a joined-up approach to things, which is, you know, a lot of the reason why people had issues with the Primaris and stuff like that was because it was just like, it was slightly badly implemented, you know, and it's guys like Guy Haley, Chris Wraith and stuff who've been doing the job of making up for some of the deficiencies in the law that occurred with the development of all this new stuff. And I think they've done a good job. And this is another example of them doing a good job. Now, Guy Haley at the moment, I mean, the dude's a machine. I don't know how he produces as much stuff as he does. I just don't. He must be writing, like, every single day, which is insane. But some people have just got a gift for that, you know? Some people have just got that in them to do that. Uh, he's a truly creative person, and um, this story, I'll say this, it isn't your normal Space Marine battle thing. It's a bit more, I don't want to say it's a bit more clever than that, because that's not quite what I mean, but it's um, it's a slower paced and a bit more of a character thing. And it's also, uh, it's it's adding depth and development to the to the world, to the lore that we do need. And it's it's great to see. Now, is it the most fast-paced? Is it the best book I've ever read? No. But is it a good book and is it a great addition? And does it add something to this whole arc of Dante, the Blood Angels, the uh, Imperium Nihilist side of things? What's been going on in the Imperium? Yes, massively. And it's got some great moments, which I'll talk about a few of them, but I don't want to tell you all of them. Like I say, it's a slower-paced book, I think. It's got some amazing moments, but it's not big battles, right? It's much more of a sort of um, the characters themselves a couple of the characters doing stuff, like on a bit of an adventure. In fact, Into the Heart of Darkness, you might say, or Apocalypse Now. <laughs> so, where it begins is Astaroth comes to the chapter fortress of the Red Wings, who are a successor chapter of the, of the Blood Angels. Now, if you don't, again, there's a few things to talk about just briefly. I don't want to do a whole lore video, you know. But uh, Astaroth is the person who takes care of those who have fallen to the Black Rage, right? For those of you who don't know, the Black Rage is a psychic trauma which affects all people. Oh. <laughs> it's too much to explain. It's too much to explain. I have to just take it as a given, you know what's going on with the Blood Angels and the Black Rage, because I, I can't be bothered to explain it. Astroth is the guy who comes along and takes care of that. Now, how he does this is, it's not so much that they... I mean, no doubt they do get communications asking for aid and stuff, but Astroth is attuned to the warp in some way, which is probably why he was selected for this role. We haven't fully gone through that. And if we have, I've forgotten about it or I never read it. So bear with me. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's just one of the one of the Blood Angels will 
be chosen for this role or they sort of they're selected by you know whatever you want to say the spirit of sanguinius whatever and uh, he hears basically the music of the uh, the Ainur. No, that's <laughs> the wrong wrong universe. Wrong universe. He, he hears the music of the of the damned, and he is drawn to this. And he's got his own ship. He's got his own little complement of bodyguards and assistants, little squad of space marines, basically. And they're you know well developed characters. He's done a good job, Guy Haley. I mean, Guy Haley is just tip top. You know what I mean? He is just. Is high quality and it shines through again in this book for various reasons you should go into. This isn't going to be a long video. Don't worry. <laughs> so, Astaroth goes to the, Re uh, the Red Wings chapter and this is after Baal and they've recently had, they've been, after the devastation of Baal, obviously they were ripped to pieces. They've been heavily reinforced with Primaris Marines and not just Primaris Marines but Marsh, Mars-born Primaris Marines. Fresh from the freezer. Uh, they go. They came fresh out the freezer in the Indomitus Crusade. They were, and then devastation of Baal happened, and Gilliman gave basically all the Blood Angel Marines out of his force to the depleted chapters of the Blood. So that's where we join these guys. Now, unfortunately, these guys were under the delusion, and uh, uh, in like in real world stuff, we were kind of under the delusion as well. And this is in law. You in law. In, in law rules, <laughs> Belisarius Cole thought this as well, that they would be immune to the, to the effects of the Black Rage. Now, in his mind, he would say biologically they are, right? They have no mutation, because that's what people thought it was. But it appears that's the cause of the, the Black Rage. It's a mutation in the bloodline of the gene seed of the Blood Angels. What it appears now is it might be that, and it might that might strengthen it, and that would make sense with the flesh terrors and knights of blood and various other chapters who have degenerated uh, genetically to a certain degree, and they're much more susceptible to the uh, the black rage than say the blood angels are, who have managed to maintain a certain level of purity as the founding chapters. They haven't diverged from the original sort of template, but the Primaris and Gilliman and Call were operating under the and Dante were operating under the assumption that the curse was gone, was, was they, the Primaris Marines were free of it. And it appears not. It appears that it is actually a, a metaphysical, a psychic, a spiritual disease. That's the pain and the loss. And if you want to get all uh, deep thinking about it, people's belief in Sanguinius, which is creating an entity in the warp, which is Sanguinius, kind of, might actually be him might actually be an amalgamation of it, might actually be a warp entity that has been created from the... Because the warp's a whole complicated thing, right? It is a mirror universe of, of emotion, right? Um, and I know like people like to say it's, it's hell and stuff like this. It is, but that's merely as a reflection of the entities in the real world projecting their fears, which are stronger than other emotions, on the, onto the warp, which creates hell, Right? Is so you can have good warp entities. You see what I'm saying? And you know, different emotions have different aspects to them. Like they're not necessarily evil. You know, cunning is Zench's thing, but is it necessarily evil? Not necessarily. You see? But that's a whole other complicated thing about metaphysics and spiritual shite that I can't really talk about because of I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I know. This isn't the place. This isn't the place to do it. So. Let's continue with the story.
So the Primaris are afflicted by the, uh, the Black Rage. The Red Curse. blah blah So, uh, Astroff has been coming to him. Now, for those of you who don't know how Black Library works, you'll notice this with how they release things. Often, an author will do a short story. And then, as, as a prelude to a full novel on a particular subject, a particular character, a particular, you know, whatever. So, Guy Haley did a short story about two years ago on Astroth, which was a great little short story. And it was the first time we got sort of confirmation that the Blood Angel, that the Red Curse affects Primaris Marines. And now, we, this book obviously just goes deeper into that and much more confirms it. But that's how they work. So, if you're ever paying attention to Black Library stuff, if there really is a short story on something, you're going to get a novel eventually. And we're still waiting... Well, as soon as we get that, that, that short story from Chris Wright about uh, the Lords of Silence, that book's finally going to get released. Finally. The second book on that. Anyway, Astaroth goes to this chapter. He does a bit of an investigation. They have a chat about things. Now, the Primaris are completely ignorant of this. They weren't told because the assumption was that they weren't susceptible to it. It's only months or several years. I think it's about two or three years later after the devastation of Bar. That they they've begun to succumb to they've become they've begun to succumb to this, and it's probably got something to do with the sort of closeness to the warp because obviously Baal and the a lot of the chapters of the blood are nearby Baal, uh, you know, in galactic terms. That you know they're, they're all over the place, all over the universe, but obviously a lot of them are there, and um, in that sort of region of space surrounding it, and that's right on the edge of the Cisatrix Maledictum, the Great Rift, that runs from one side of the galaxy to the Eye of Terror, uh, this, this warp rift. And, you know, there's, 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 there's warp energy flowing out all the time. Worlds are consumed. Uh, the legions of chaos use it for transportation. But Xenos races do as well. And all the psychic kind of fuckery that occurs. So, they've begun to succumb to this. Anyway, they're now conducting a survey of the various different worlds uh, within this area of space on behalf of Dante as he attempts to unify the forces he has and reassert Imperium, direct Imperium control over the Imperium Nihilist, that side of the Imperium which is on the other side of the Great Rift, away from Terra. And Gilliman is obviously doing the old Indomitus Crusade. Well, he's finished the Indomitus Crusade now. I know it is. Oh, yeah, they did the retcon, didn't they? So I think it, the retcon aligns the timelines better. The Indomitus Crusade is ongoing, I believe. I forget. But anyway, Dante's job is the regent of the Imperium Nihilus, and he's controlling this vast tract of space and attempting to push back and reconnect with existing Imperial worlds which have not fallen, Imperial forces, Imperial armies, Imperial fleets, Space Marine chapters, blah 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 uh, to, to reassert Imperial control of the other side of the rift. So this chapter is one of the forces under Dante's command, and they're now majority of the chapter is Primaris, and they're working to do that. They're, they're doing a survey of their old fiefdom to see who's been killed in this great cataclysm. Because it is a cataclysm, you know, the, wor the universe is completely different to what it was before. And I'm looking forward to what they do with the Imperium Nihilus. I'm expecting to see little mini, mini pocket empires of chaos space marines who have forged their own little territories and breakaway republics and all this sort of stuff. I'm looking forward to these space marine chapters who've decided to go their own way. That sort of thing. I'm interested. I'm interested in what they're going to do with it. There's so many possibilities and uh, the opportunities for bringing alien races into the universe as well. But that's a whole other subject. I'm really, really getting distracted here. So let's stick with the story. They go to another world uh, called Dulcis. While they're there, the enslavers and okay, and some. This is why I like the book though because it's 
it doesn't really explain anything like I'm explaining things now in a really bad way. It's uh, It takes it as a given that you know what these things are. And I like it when the 40K books do that. They don't spend hours going, oh, the, the orcs came up. And orcs are mushroom people. And they have this amazing thing. And this is their religion. And blah, 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 blah. I like it when they just go for it. You know what I mean? No explanation. And you, the other side acts as it would act. You know what I mean? And you understand why they're doing these things. I like that. So briefly, the enslavers are a, a warp, are a, are, a, are a race of kind of squid psychic monstrosities, basically, that exist within the warp. And they're one of the main enemies of humanity, especially during the Age of Strife, when psychic powers began to first emerge amongst the mass general population, the, the general population of humanity to a degree that no one had ever seen before. Mass mutation on a grand scale, psychers everywhere. And the enslavers come through to feed on that and to breed. And, you know, they can exist in the warp and in the real world. They're like a a half and half kind of species. And they're, but they're kind of like jellyfish, right? But evil. And they use mind control and they enslave people. And they, you know, use them as meat puppets and eat them and use the human bodies or anybody, any sentient species, anything with a soul They'll uh, inject with their larvae, which will feed and grow and then create more of them. So on and so on. And he does a great description of how they breed and how they are in the warp. And it's quite small, it's quite short, quite simple, but it says everything you need. But that's the history of them. They were quite prominent in the Age of Strife. They were one of the first sort of warp entities to emerge from the warp, from into the minds of these, these emergent psychers. So like within the 40K universe, the enslavers are quite well known. They're also known as the sirens. They're quite well known. They're they're feared. They've got a mythological state, not a mythological status, but they're well known enough that people are known to to look out for them. Anyway, because this planet is so close to the the Great Rift, these creatures are able to enter into the real universe quite easily, and they have been landing on Dulcis. Now, Dulcis is a a swampy kind of agri world, kind of that makes its living farming uh, giant eels. When I say giant, I mean like building size eels and they're quite a delicacy like that that's their that's how they make a living on this world this small sort of settlement world it's kind of an agri world i guess but yeah they, they get delicacies which are these um eels now the space marines get there and there's some nice stuff between the imperial officials and there was one moment that really stuck out to me which shows you know guy haley's grasp of the law is fantastic the space marines have a conversation with the administratum official the, 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 the leading member of the Adeptus Terra, which is on this world, the person who will uh, run its government, uh, administer its tithes, ensure good government, be the eyes and ears of the Imperium on the ground on this planet. And that's, you know, pretty standard. That's where the majority of the Imperium works. Uh, you know, some worlds might not have much of a presence at all of the wider Imperium, different Imperial organisations. This one, it obviously makes enough money to... And, you know, they recruit regiments from there. We get told that as well. There's, there's, this place has raised Imperial, um, Imperial Guard regiments in the past. So it's like it's big enough, but not like super. It's not a hive world, you know. It's just a kind of normal-ish planet of a, of a sort of normal sort of present day level of technology. In fact, probably lower. It's probably like Victorian era technology with a couple of las guns and some fancy computers here and there. And shuttles. That's you know what I mean. It's like that kind of level of technology. Nowish, basically. Yeah, he he turns to. He's having a conversation with the space marine commander. And the space marine commander. He notes that the administration guy. They're looking up at the sky, 
and watching these meteorites, which are, of course, the enslavers, and they're not quite sure what they are, sort of coming in on the horizon. They've said they've been landing for months, like in the deep parts of the swamp jungle. And he turns to him, and the way he describes what's going on, he's asking, basically, is this chaos? But he's using, he says, like, he's using the old way of talking about things, which most of the Imperium, or most of the military in the Imperium, in Dante's forces, have stopped bothering with. The old way, before the Great Rift, before the fall of Arcadia and stuff, was to sort of um, talk about chaos without mentioning chaos. So every official of a certain rank knows what chaos is, or at least to some extent. They understand the sort of underlying truths of the universe, but the general population doesn't. Even planetary governors may not. But top officials in the administratum, they're going to know what the crack is. And he's kind of asking him in this in this very subtle way, what's going on? And the Chaos Space Marine Commander's like, oh, this is how isolated they've been from the rest of the events that's been, that's been going on for the last couple of years. He's still acting like that, which is a nice touch. He talks to the sort of... It, it, it's a very nice way of reminding you what the Imperium was and where the Imperium is now, which I thought was a nice touch. Anyway, we go on. And basically, the population of Dulcis is having a mass upsurge in psychers. Now, every planet generates psychers, uh, you know, within a human population. I think they even go into the numbers. It's around every every three million people, you'll get one psyker per generation. That's the kind of level you're working with and the priesthood and that's one of the roles of the ecclesiarchy of course to seek out these individuals and one of the reasons why and you can you can talk to like what's the sort of social utility of having the ecclesiarchy in place in the imperium well this is one of them you impose a religion on people which has confession and whatnot as part of their of their rituals and so on and one of the benefits of that is Odd shit, demonic possession, weird shit like that. That's going to come to the attention of someone eventually in a much more quicker way than just leaving someone to suddenly, I don't know, start ripping people to apart because they get a bit emotional one day with psychic powers, you know? It's 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 an interesting... If you want to think about it, it's an interesting point of view, no? So, they're getting a lot more psychers than normal. Now, the black ships have stopped coming as well. So, Dulcis is in a bit of a tricky state. They've been gathering these psychers together not all of them dangerous, like, like, there's a diff, most human psychers aren't that psychic, you know, like, they're not, like, all battle, battle psychers who can f- bring lightning from the sky, they might just be able to flip a card, they might be able to hear, get a, get a rough idea about what someone's thinking in their head, you know, that sort of thing, like, really low level sort of psychic stuff, what a lot of people on TikTok think they've got now, and they haven't, but in this world, they have. <laughs> so they've got a lot of psychers they've got a couple of hundred which is like way over the normal sort of projected amounts and this is becoming an issue and a lot of them are from the aristocracy and so on uh, on this planet so it's it's causing a bit of a problem they've got them all in a camp on the outskirts of the city and uh, the discussion basically goes this way the black ships aren't coming right you've got to understand the universe has changed the black ships ain't coming and if it continues like this, you're just going to get overwhelmed and eventually you're going to get a dangerous one come and it's either going to lead the others in revolt, it's going to kill them, or it's just going to be too powerful to put down. So the Space Marine Commander and the Imperial Governor and the Administratum guy, they just decide, we're going to have to kill them all. <laughs> we're going to have to kill them all. And it's like, you think about it, like in a normal, in a normal, and that's what I like about 40K because it's just dead harsh and practical, to be honest, in a, to a certain extent. They just decide they're going to kill them all because... Yeah, like I say, if they live any longer, they're just going to get even more. And the chances of them getting a, a nutter, a, a badden, like a powerful, strong one to come, 
it, 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 every every day it goes by, it gets more and more possible. More psychers are emerging. So have a cull now, as they say. We'll cull them now. And then you're just going to have to deal with it gradually as it goes and just keep culling them, basically, until someone comes to your rescue. This is the Space Marines' initial thought. The thing is, it's, it's spread so far, and the Imperial officials kind of know this. They've been sort of a bit worried about it because it's been a bit more than a bit worried about it. They've, they've kept it sort of out of the public consciousness, but they are aware that it's happening a lot, and there's probably a lot of psychers based simply on the, one, the amount that they have caught. There's going to be even more that they haven't caught. And uh, basically, the Space Marines agree to act as death squads, basically, and go around the city and the populace seeking these things out. Now, the problem is they haven't got a, a librarian. So they fall back on sort of um, tactics that it rem- immediately reminded me of Aiden. Now, if you don't know Aiden, Aiden used to be a British colony, and I believe these tactics have been used in other places to fight terrorism and stuff like this. I don't want to go too far into this, but uh, these are interesting areas you should look up. They're interesting parts of history that are worth knowing. Algeria as well, interesting whole situation there. Basically, what they, they and this is why I mentioned that, because the Space Marines basically do a lot of the tactics that were done there. So basically, they go into the middle of the high street. They announce, they, they, I think they pull a siren or they make an announcement. I don't know. They tell everybody to freeze in the street and everybody freezes. Now, the idea behind this tactic, and I think it's been used a lot in different places, is that it's, ba- it's like really sort of clever psychology, really. If everybody's been told to freeze and you've got armed men or space marines, even more so, the angels of death, these, these armoured monsters, basically, that are both to be worshipped, revered and feared, standing there looking at you if you've got something to hide you might panic and run and that's kind of the idea behind this thing it's a way to root out people who've got something to hide and they run and the, and there'll always be someone who will run and then the space marines go after them and we get this terrifying scene where this guy's running he's running away from the space marines and the space marines are chasing him he's got three space marines on his tail. he's never going to get away but he still wants to run because he's a late he's a latent psycho shall we say he's got a bit of psychic about him i don't know so they, 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 they go after him and uh, take him out. Uh, and we get this from the point of view of two, one psycher predominantly and another psycher is with her, these two girls. And just the, the unremitting horror of, the, of this character's, this one girl's life is so disgusting. <laughs> He's done a really good job of conveying the horror of existence on the low end of Imperium society, right? There's worse worlds for sure. But the, the grim horror of this sort of poverty and this horrible existence of permanently being afraid of being caught and stuff, it's it's really it's really well done. Again, this isn't the this isn't a book that a lot of people will like, right? There's no shining paladins here marching forward to fight the demonic hosts. This is population compliance and uh, repression. You know, this is the sort of the the, the side of the Imperium that is most prominent in a lot of the books and it's and it's a thing that i don't think a lot of people grasp about 40k they think it's you know black i did a video on black templars recently and they're just the the salt you get from people for even making a joke about like black templar boys and it's like these guys are religious like just again just because you know something in the law you've read it in a book doesn't mean these characters do they exist in this world do you understand they exist in this world the rules of this world are not optional. That's their life. That's their belief system. That's their, that's their view of the world. That's their morality, right? There is no, oh, well, maybe, oh, the imperial truth. They don't know anything about the imperial truth. 
That's been 10,000 years ago. I just, oof. Anyway, I'm not going to go on. You know who you are. Stop it. Think about what you're saying. <laughs> it, it ends up with them going to this camp and it's a really, really grim, horrible scene. Cool. In a grim, dark way. <laughs> but it is like just the methodical nature of what the space marines are willing to do. There is no passion in this. They don't want to do this, but it's just necessity. So they, they surround the camp and they uh, just start opening fire on these uh, psychers. And like I say, most of them are just normal people with a little bit of a something, you know, maybe they can guess a card if they're playing poker or they've, you know what I mean? They've got like a sort of sixth sense, very low level psychers and stuff like this. A couple of them actually got psychic powers, a bit of telekinesis and stuff, and they try and resist. Space Moon's just gun them down. And there is a scene that is blatantly stolen from the Astartes thing where one of them sort of has a shield where they raise a psychic shield and the bolt shells go into it. It's basically that. He's stolen that. <laughs> but they, yeah, they, they just slaughter them all. So, yeah, harsh. Anyway, they end up going to an oil rig. And I think that's one of the things that it, it's basically an agri world, sort of low industry uh, resource world, basically. Meats, foods, raw materials, and they ship that out. And that's how they make their money. So they're on this oil rig and they go there, but the place has been infiltrated not just by psychers, but by the enslavers. And this is the first time they encounter the enslavers. A couple of the Primaris lads, they fall to the Black Rage and they start going on a Madden. But the enslavers have also taken over the population as well, um, infecting them and turning them basically into a zombie horde. So it's all kicking off, basically. It's a big battle. Anyway, they're forced to withdraw. And what they do is they uh, glass the place from orbit. But uh, not all of it, because it's a big sort of, you know, big sort of mass, a, a giant imperial facility. Like when I say an oil rig, I mean like something that's like 10 times as big as a current day oil rig, a man-made island. The, the remaining space marines get out of there. They report this. Astroff shows up because he's heard the sirens and he was nearby. He's heard the song and he's nearby. Yeah, he's like, we've got we to go and find these guys. And also the enslavers are here. Uh, this planet is doomed. We haven't got the resources to defend it. We can't allow it to turn into a... Uh, uh, an infestation of enslavers because they'll just spread and infect other areas. We're going to have to kill everybody. So, <laughs> again, <laughs> necessity. Harsh necessity. So, uh, they land on the planet and they basically say to the officials, the the, the top-ranking Imperium, the Imperium, the Imperium officials from the outside, the wider Imperial agencies, they're going to get withdrawn. Uh, members of the planetary no uh, nobles, the elite, are going to get withdrawn. But the rest of the population, and I think they, I think they do rescue a few bits of the local population, but like, it's like, if you happen to be there and you can get on a shuttle, you can come. But once we've got all the important people gone, we're just going to uh, release a genetic virus and kill all humankind on the planet. And then eventually we'll return. Like they, they have a debate about, should we do this way? Should we just exterminate us the place? And the guy's like, well, we've destroyed a lot of worlds, right? The Great Rift's destroyed a lot of planets. This planet's a decent planet, right? Except for this enslaver thing. How's about we just destroy all sort of sentient life on the planet and uh, the enslavers will starve and, and, and go away, as is their way. And they mull this over. To be fair, they mull this over and they decide, yeah, yeah, we'll do that and we'll save the planet and eventually we can recolonize. <laughs> This is the conversation they're having. The books are so good. If you aren't reading the novels, read the novels, for God's sake. It's too good. You're missing out on such a, a wealth of, 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 of 40k lore and information and the mentality. And the writers these days are doing a really good job of showing the, the brutal necessity of what the, the things that the Imperium does and the stoic nature of the Space Marines as well. That they take upon this burden for themselves, which is it's fascinating. Anyway. 
that's what they do, basically. But first of all, they've got to go and find the uh, brothers who have fallen to the Red Curse. And this is where it basically turns into Apocalypse Now. Sort of Heart of Darkness, but Apocalypse Now, basically, because of the boat. So they're on the boat. They get some interesting little buddies to help them, who they're going to kill afterwards, even though... Yeah, they basically get a ship crew. <laughs> At the end, they kill them. <laughs> because they know too much. They know about the Black Rage and, you know, yeah, they got to go. So a Thunderhawk just flies over and they think they've got away. And they're like, oh, it's a Thunderhawk. Wow, look at them, the Angels of Mercy. <laughs> and he fires a torpedo into their boat and kills them all. Or the two of them. There's only two of them, but still. It's a bit harsh. You think they're going to rescue them, but no. Nah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, the it sort of becomes like a, a bit of a fight. They fight against like a massive eel swarm and stuff. That's quite fun. And then uh, they they find the enslavers who have started to gestate. They've started to breed and so on. They've taken possession of psychers and people. And it's terrible what they do. Like the the humans just kind of wear away. And if they're not really useful humans, like psychers or something, they'll just let them wear away. Whereas if they are useful humans, they'll they possess them. Like, it's kind of like, you know, those wasps that can possess, is it frogs or something like this, that they possess and they can control them, basically. They're like zombies and they're being controlled by this parasite. That's what they are, a parasite. And uh, that's what they did to the humans. But in order to keep them alive, I mean, all they're doing is eat this raw human flesh to sustain you as we use your body and your psychic powers and feed on you from the inside out. So it's, it's all very nasty and grim and quite disgusting. But uh, <laughs> then... They, they're not really concerned about them because that problem's been dealt with, right? There's an evacuation going on. They're going to save who they can. And they're going to just, you know, they can't fight this infestation. They haven't got the resources to it. And it's not worth it in the grand scheme of things. There's no time for this. But they need to get these brothers. They can't allow these brothers to go and they can't allow these brothers. It's, it's for one thing, the honor of it. Their brothers are in pain. And Astro, that's Astroff's whole deal. This is his duty. On the other hand as well, there's the underlying thing of, Outsiders cannot know about the Black Rage, right? It's such a terrible thing that, like, you know, it's it's culturally within the the Blood Angels and all their successors. You can't let people know this shit, right? The Inquisition can't know. I mean, I'm sure there's elements that do know. You know, the Imperium is a big place, but it's like we've got to keep this a secret. We've got to deal with this problem. We can't let, even though we're going to do this to this planet. In, in fact, even because we're doing this to this planet. We can't even just let them go and just let them die in this plague thing. That would be dishonourable. We have a duty and a responsibility to our brothers to end their pain, to grant them the Emperor's peace. So they go searching for them. And it, and it has a really interesting moment where they're looking for them and they're, they're lost. They don't know where they are. You know, they've found a place where they think they were. There was a lot of like eels killed or was it the enslavers that killed a bunch of enslavers? But they've gone. And Astroff's like... Pfft. They're going to be, yeah, Astro's like, I don't know where they are. <laughs> That's a quote. <laughs> he's, he's saying to him, you know, we need to find somewhere. Like when the Black Rage comes on them, they become, they forget who they are and they think that they're sanguineous. This is why, it's not verbatim what he says, but he says it in a really good way. He's saying they forget who they are. They, they are reliving those final moments, right? And what they're, they, what, no matter what they're seeing, in their mind, it becomes the battle barge. It becomes the assault on Horace's ship, right? It becomes that, uh, the vengeful spirit. It becomes that, you know, they're walking through places. In their mind, they're seeing the corridors. They're seeing what Sanguinius saw. So ter horrible was his death and destruction 
on them and on himself and them. It's created this psychic, you know, effect on them and all the descendants who bear part of part of Sanguinius's blood, part of a, a small shred of Sanguinius's spirit within them. They all are affected to the, by this when the Black Rage comes. But he also says, and I thought it was nice to it. He says, "We got to find is there a is there a, 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 a rocky promontory, a, a prominent island? They're in this swamp, you know, like Apocalypse Now. They're in this swamp on a river. Is there like a, a hill somewhere near here? Is there is there a you know a, a promontory somewhere somewhere like that? Because those who are affected by the Black Rage will always seek out a grand stage. Like he sa- I don't know if he says this, but he's basically saying they'll always seek out like a grand stage to enact the final act." to live out the final act of Sanguinis' life, somewhere dramatic, somewhere... Because uh, in their mind, they're heading to the bridge. They're heading to where Horus is. That's what they're trying to reenact in their mind. That's what they're seeing, and that's what they're led towards. So he's like, yeah, the, 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 one, the captain of the ship's just like, yeah, there's, a, there's like a rocky... There's a, there's a hill further up this way, and that's where they go. And they find them, and they pa- take them out, and they grant them the emperor. And it's all very... It's all very, it's all very cool, very... Um, very important... There was there's some very important moments in there, and it's quite touching in a way. But uh, then they leave, and they kill this. Uh, they, they, the, the Thunderhawk gun ship uh, kills this uh, ship crew who helped them, and uh, they leave, <laughs> and they launch the virus bombs and uh, decimate the planets and kill all the humans on there. Or eventually, they all eventually start to die. And uh, yeah, the rest of the population's on there. They're going to get reassigned somewhere else to a different Imperial world. And uh, Astroff is back off now to Baal. Because he has it utterly confirmed in his head that the the Primaris can be affected, and the problem is they've all gone to these other chapters, and under the idea that they cannot be affected, and the problem is that every chapter is supposed to have sanguinary priests and chaplains, and there's a distinct lack of of both within the chapters of the blood. And yeah, he's going to go and talk to Dante and say, "Look, this is going to be a problem if you just let this slide. We've got to get chap. We've got to start producing training chaplains and Gwyneth priests and get them out to these new chapters, which are most of the chapters of the Blood Angels sort of bloodline are now Primaris Marines who don't know how to deal with the Black Rage. They don't know. They don't. They think they think it's not affecting them, or it's something that's never been fully explained to them. This is what comes through as well from the Primaris we, characters we, we are with." They don't really know. It's kind of just glossed over. It's some, they, they were just told it was something that affects the older Marines. Don't worry about it. Just go and do your new job. This is your new chapter. Embrace the culture. Blah, 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 blah. So that's where we leave it. What I will say is this is a great addition to the arc of things with Dante. We've had a couple of books and a couple of short stories covering that side of things, and I'm looking forward to more of it. Uh, I'll see how that... I mean, also like, like Guy Haley at the moment, he's got the Blood Angel stuff, right? He's got the Belisarius Call stuff. And he's also got this Indomitus Crusade stuff, which sort of tacks on to his Gilliman books, Dark Imperium and so on. So he's sort of really driving the law. I'm looking forward to see what some other authors bring to the piece. But uh, at the minute, he's really driving the law. So if you want to know what's happening with 40K, the direction it's heading in, the sort of ethos behind this new era, read those books because he's, he's shit up, man. Guy Haley is really, really good. And uh, if you'd like to pick this audio book up, and again, the audio book, the... The narration is perfect. He's a really talented uh, voice guy. I forgot what his name is. I do apologise. But uh, he's a really talented guy. He's good with the voices and stuff like this. And again, that's something I pay attention to, obviously. So I was quite impressed with that. But it's a good short... It's a short one. It's only about six hours long. But it's a, it's a good read and a good uh, story and a good addition to this sphere of the universe. And I think... Uh, I just wanted to mention it because I think a few people might have missed it. 
but I will say, like I say, if you're interested in sort of battle novels, fighting combat, it's got that in it, but it's a much smaller scale and it's much more of a personal character driven sort of story rather than big battles. It's, it's very much a sort of low level sort of a bit of a mystery thing, to be honest, conversation between different people, touching on different subjects. And there's some just nice little in-universe things that like as a big time law fan, they really ring true to me. They're quite fun. Like I say, this, this conversation with the Adeptus, the Adeptus uh, terror guy is kind of trying to be all naive about the warp, but it like, because he knows the space Marines now, but the pit, all the courtiers and the planetary governor don't have a fucking clue. So he's kind of saying, he's trying to ask without saying anything in detail because back in the old way, talking about that sort of stuff openly would get you shot. So, you know, because it was all kept secret for everybody's own good. So, yeah, nice little touches, nice little character moments. Like I said, that scene at the camp was grim as fuck. The scene where they're chasing down these, this psyker in the streets, really, you know, really evocative, really, really scary, really interesting as well. And again, it sort of points to things that have happened in history, which I think you should definitely look into. Yeah, he's, he's a good writer. And, you know, I think we've read a lot of the same things as well. I will say this. I've noticed with Guy Haley stuff, like he makes little references to things. Uh, if you're into military history and history in general, you'll sort of pick up on that. You'll be like, oh, nice touch. You know, <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Nice touch. Nice touch. So, yeah, I recommend this, but it's not your normal Space Marine story. Anyway, that's all I've got to say now. If you are interested in picking this up, I'll put my link in the description to Audible and Amazon. And if you use those two links to either get a, an Audible subscription or to purchase the book, uh, I'll get a little kickback, a little taste for sending you over there. So I appreciate that if you do do that. Otherwise, you know, get it from wherever you want to get it. Uh, please do give the video a like, subscribe if you're not subscribed, and let me know what you think. If you've read this book in the uh, description, uh, in the, in the, ah, in the comments, in the comments. I can't remember my words today. I've been speaking too much. I had a massive conversation about eggs with someone for about two hours. Don't ask. All right, I'll be back again soon with more stuff. I've got some more book reviews coming up. Yeah, I'm just sort of really just catching up with all my books. I've got a massive stockpile of actual physical books and audio books to go through. So I'm just gradually going through them. So I'll do these reviews regularly again now, I think. If I've got something to say, right, if I enjoy the book, I'm not just going to do a review just for the sake of it. I did that before years ago, and I kind of ended up not really saying much about the books. So only when I've got something to say, when there's like something cool going on in the books, will I bother. Otherwise, I'll just leave it, you know. Um, if I haven't said it's bad, just assume I thought it was okay. If I have done a video on it and I've said it's good, I really think it's good. All right, I'm not just saying it. I think it's good. So yeah, I will see you all again next time. Ta-ra, have a good one. May the Emperor protect. Blah, 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 blah. Bye-bye.